Okay, pretty soon now we're going to be ready to call those raised beds finished. And that feels good. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of April 25th, 2013. Well, when I look out at Veg Hill, those beds do look completed, um, but that's what we're going to talk about today is the being able to say grace over our completed set of 16, count them, 16 raised beds. When we started this project in the fall of last year, we said we want to build either 12 or 16. And it was not long into the project before you made the decision, okay, it's 16. Yeah, it's amazing. So we've been knowing now for a good while we were going to be building 16. It's amazing how quickly you can fill up a bed if you have something that takes up a lot of space. But but more about that later, the spacing. Each of our beds is four feet wide by 16 feet long. And, you know, that's a pretty big bed. Um, and more about that later. Um, the, the big event this week is that my brother Tom and I were able to put the finishing touches on the last bed, which is numbered number four, um, but we were able to get it finished on Monday, and I all, I started drip irrigation to beds one through eight Monday and finished it Wednesday. So now all the drip is in, which means all we can plant All the drip things. is in. Everything is ready to go. Um, so we thought we would spend some time today sort of doing a post-mortem on the construction process and share what we have learned as we've gone about this. Um, maybe the first step is just to sort of talk through how the sequence we arrived at for building a bed. And this evolved <laughs> as we got more experience. We learned more um, what worked in what order. But um, what Tom and I developed was the first thing we do, of course, is cut up the wood um, so that we've got the ends and the sides, and we cut up these four by four posts, which act as the receivers for the screws. So you've got a, an, a 16 foot long end, a um, it's not a 48 foot, 48 inch. Yeah, let's see. Oh, well, it worked out so that we had, yeah, there was exactly 16 feet long, and then we used a 48-inch um, end, which meant that the beds are actually 48 plus 3 inches wide when you put, you know, from outside to outside because each the, 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 the sides are one and a half inch thick. And all the screws go into these 4 by 4 posts, so we would cut up the... Uh, ends and sides, pre-drill them with the holes that where the screws needed to go in, carefully marked, and mark what's inside and what's outside, what's up and what's down, and pre-drilled the holes to receive the eye bolts that we used to pick up the bed once it was finished. 
then we pre, we preassembled the ends, putting the end up against those two four by four posts. And then when we got ready to assemble a bed, it was a lot easier to put those sides onto the ends, pick them up with the eye bolts using Scamp's bucket, and then Scamp is your tractor for Scamp those who is might the not know Kubota tractor. Slowly worked the bed into the right position using a string as our guideline. We uh, for each row we uh, used a string running from top to bottom of Veg Hill and lined up on that string and um, then we put them down in position and of course we had to pre-prepare, uh, level out a pad for each bed. And you did a lot of that with your tractor, right? You started the process, with the tractor you dug it out. And with our shovels and rakes and using the, the transit to make sure that the pad was level and um, and then we, you know, put the beds into position, made sure they were level using the level that time. That had to be much more exact. And then we uh, put the hardware cloth in to make for, them mold-proof and bold For the last four beds only. For one through four only. And uh, then we put soil in them, and they were ready to um, irrigate and use. So that's sort of the sequence of getting a bed ready to go. Um, the tractor really helped you because I know you, I, we don't know exactly how much those 16-foot beds, uh, the constructed, the wooden part weighed, but um, probably you 200 pounds or so. Gotta be because my only role in it was going out there, and when you needed a third person to help line up the directionality of the beds, you know, I would get a chance to put my hands on them. As you were lowering, and you, I could just tell you my end was real heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, trying to guide a ship into port. Mm -hmm. When you try to let level, bring one of those beds down, you're dealing with a lot of weight. And, of course, Scamp took the lion's share of the weight, uh, and, and that made all the difference. If you are trying to build raised beds and you don't have a tractor with a front-end loader, then I would just uh, not try to build beds as heavy as ours. I would go with shorter beds, like a four by eight or something like And that's like that. what we did for our friend Gene. That's right? what we did for our friend Gene. We did and that, that without worked it. out fine. Right. We were able to move it with our human power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is uh, what we, you have to be able to do. Even then, you need some fairly strong humans. Uh, that's to, right. To lift it. Even a four by eight bed using the materials we're using is pretty heavy. So. Uh, and that's before you get the soil in. Of course, once you get the soil in, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> that's so. right. You better live with it where it is. Just the process of building these beds and making sure that each bed is level has given us a great visual cue for how unlevel Veg Hill really is. Right. That's true. And I remember even when we did Jean's beds, her yard looks really level if you eyeball it, but when you start getting out there to with the transit, you find out mm, no. No, it's it may look level, but it's yeah, really not. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but but you're right about our area out there on Veg Hill. Um, it was it's got an and the last four that you constructed were on the slopiest part, if that's a word, the most sloping part of the yard, right? Weren't they? It seemed to me that last one really uh, three had three of them were. Yeah, three yes. of them were because it really starts to drop off those back three. Um, when I say back, toward the south, mm -hmm. at southeast. 
Um, so I know that was a real challenge for you. And I appreciate them because I plan to use them and enjoy them. And I guess that's it's probably as good a time as any for us to talk about that transit. The transit makes all the difference in the world when you are first starting to get familiar with where a bed is going to be. If you don't have a transit, you can do it with a level, but you'll need to, uh, what I would encourage you to do is get four stakes and tie strings onto them and use a line level because then you can hang that line level on the string and figure out exactly how much needs to you know come off this corner or be added to that corner and so forth and if your eye is anything like ours you will be quite surprised at how unleveled your sight is um, and you do need that bed to be leveled it, it really makes a difference to you as the grower oh yes and to have level soil because then the, the it doesn't erode it doesn't go anywhere you can put a seed down and the seed will stay put yeah it um, makes it makes all the difference so um, even though that seems like a pain to have to put in that preliminary step of leveling it's worth it you, it absolutely. really is so. i agree we built these in a funny order um, and the main reason we ended up doing the, the sequence the way we did is that we figured out early on it was easier to approach these beds from the east than from the west and so we decided we would build we would start on the west side and put the first four beds in and then work our way east um, so that we could approach each one from the east to level it and position it and so forth and we knew that once we got them finished, we'd want to be numbering from left to right as we you read look that at way. them from the north. Because we read from left to That's right. That's <laughs> right. So we built 13 through 16, and then we built 9 through 12, and then 5 through 8, and then 1 through 4. And we should probably mention that one of the reasons why it was easier to access it coming from, starting with the west beds, you know, from, from the east is... We already, it's a fenced-in area with seven-foot deer fence, and we already had <clears throat> some fairly large trellises on the exactly. east side that That's for the muscadines. That's hard to approach yeah, from the west. where we have You're muscadines right. and kiwi fruit, and um, so the tractor would have run right into those. Whereas on the other side, we actually, even past the last completed bed uh, on the on the east side, we don't really have anything much over there. So you had a little more open space to deal with. That's right. Um, and it just gave you, but there's nothing, I just want people to know there's nothing sacred about coming from one side or another. It's wherever you, if you're using a tractor, it's wherever you can get to your project. You but you do, <laughs> but what you did right is you thought ahead, like, okay, am I going to hem myself in if I construct these other beds first and That's then get right. to the point I can't get a tractor in there? So, you know, the I think just a little planning ahead is yes, worth right. It. If we had started with one through four and then worked our way over to thirteen through sixteen, we'd be in deep trouble on thirteen through sixteen. Yeah, there's just hard, not tr room over there to squeeze in. Yeah, so um, uh, because in order to squeeze in, the tractor has to be perpendicular to the row of beds, so it, it just wouldn't have worked. Um, and like you say, fortunately, we figured that out early on and and were able to arrange the job so it worked just fine. Um, in terms of how we use them. I would say we're still feeling our way on how densely we can plant. Yes, and that's one thing we talked about in our podcast a couple of weeks ago that was a um, 
a recap of a presentation we had given at the um, Elmore County Extension Office about vegetable gardening and raised beds. That, um, and if you listen to that podcast, you heard us say that yes, one of the advantages of raised beds is, is that you can use your gardening space more efficiently. You can plant closer together. But there are still some limitations. For example, I'm putting, I put tomatoes in this past week. Not all of them, but, but my larger plants that are ready to put in. And you know that no matter what you've got going on, a tomato is still going to be a tomato. It's still going to get branch out a certain amount and need a certain amount of space to grow. Um, and so I went ahead and just put them 24 inches apart the way you're supposed to. It's a large, and, and actually that's what um, some of the ANR publications on raised bed gardening that I've looked at have said. You know, large vegetables like tomatoes pretty much need to be. 24 inches apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but there are other vegetables that you can plant in a block and not have to um, use as much space as it calls for. And I did plant my fall veg more densely than it called for. Um, and I think we did well to do that. We did well, except I do think the Brussels sprouts were too close together. Do you really? Yeah. See, yeah. I didn't sense that. They didn't grow as much as they could. They, and maybe it's because of the nature of that plant that yeah, the I don't leaves think you can blame kind of that on the dense spacing. Mm, I'm going to try it spaced out more next year just to see if I can't get better results. Because if if the sunlight can't get to some of those leaves and 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 maybe I just had poor plants too. I don't know. But um, but I do think that the collards were fine closer together. Uh, the um, cabbage was fine the way it was yeah. i think you could have planted your strawberries more closely together i think you could have planted your garlic more closely together but i realize that's not my call to make that's your call well so. the strawberries you're right i could have but one reason they don't look as close together is because some varmint ate about five of them <laughs> a good while yeah, back. But, but the other reason i did it that way is because i went to um one of our neighboring farms oakview farms bought a flat of strawberry plugs. And, and that's how many you had. And that's how many I had. Yeah. So, and I didn't want to have, I didn't have more that I could put in and I didn't want to squeeze something squeeze else in. Something else in. Or, so yeah. it just, it, it works for us. Uh, the jury's still out as to whether or not that's the right spacing, but because those plants are still growing and they're producing fruit now. So. Yeah, but it has been eye-opening for us to have devoted an entire bed that's 16 feet long by four feet wide which really means three feet three rows 16 feet long or 48 feet of strawberries and we still don't have enough for jam but we're we, eating the strawberries we're eating as they them come out of the bed but you know it's interesting we're eating them but it would probably be enough strawberries to feed a family of three or four people instead probably. of just the two of us if you just, just wanted strawberries every day and, yeah. And, and we got Jasper to help us. Yes, our nephew came to the farm the other day. and Actually, two two nephews and a niece. But the niece is a baby, and she wasn't out picking. The two boys, one of them in particular. Jasper um, is very discriminating about what strawberries he will eat. He is not so discriminating about what strawberries he will pick. So yeah. <laughs> we had uh, several strawberries that he would pick and then reject and throw down on the ground until we figured out what was going on. Yes, but he did enjoy eating them. And so, and we're glad when the kid, that's a perfect example. When children come, and I'm sure if our grandson Smith were here, he'd be doing the same thing, uh, picking and eating. So it's fun to have that many. You bet. But uh, as you said, there's there's some fruits that um, 
we have an enough quantity, like our muscadines, for example, that I see us eventually having enough to just make jam, you know, yes, eat as many as you want off the plants, but also you can make wine or jam. The strawberries, I, I we're finding, like you said, I'd have to plant a whole lot more strawberries to feel as if I could spare some of those luscious fresh fruits to put in a jam or a tart or whatever. Yeah, I agree. Well, beds one through four, as you already have mentioned, are the ones for which we have installed hardware cloth. And the idea there is to make them more resistant to moles and voles, which tend to tunnel tunnel from underneath. Yes. And um, we did, if we had thought about it more carefully, if we had planned better, we probably would have added hardware cloth to more of the beds. But basically, we figured out how to do it by the time we were building one through four, and that's what we have. So what we've decided is I'll just put my root vegetables in the ones that have the hardware cloth and the other vegetables, even though I have seen mole damage up in there, um, you know, and, and moles and voles can still come up there. But I think at least as far as completely losing a food crop, um, that's probably unlikely to happen. And we pro- and we need to work on getting some traps out there and possibly yeah. borrowing a rat terrier for, from someone. <laughs> <laughs> My sister-in-law, Linda, said she's, she's offered to let me use hers for a while. But um, that's, that maybe, um, you know, we, we've got an answer to at least the major problem for sweet potatoes, potatoes, um, carrots, parsnips, uh, that sort of thing. Just a quick word about irrigation. Um, as you know, our philosophy here at Longleaf Breeze is if we can't drip it, we don't grow it. Everything we grow is dripped, and the Veg Hill raised beds are certainly no exception to that. The beds are in four rows of four beds each, so what we have done is run drip header down between rows one and two, and then down between rows three and four so that there's drip header running beside every bed. Then um, at the top, that is the north end of each pair of beds, we um, create what I'm calling a manifold, but basically you just poke holes in the header for these little plugs that will accept a spaghetti hose, and then the spaghetti hose runs under the ground and up into the bed. Then inside the bed, the spaghetti hose is connected to a valve that is then connected to drip tape, which runs the length of the bed. And every bed has three of these valves and three runs of drip tape. So that's um, how that process is working. And what we've learned about those manifolds is they're right fragile. So, and I had a, a one manifold that I had to dig up and redo because I had put it too close to the surface. So that, that's one thing I would say we have learned is the manifolds need to be buried fairly deeply. And by that, I mean five inches or so down so that when people walk and if you have, have the soil get disturbed for whatever reason, you don't run a risk of knocking the manifold loose. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the reason, of course, that we wanted to do all that burying is so that I can then mow on top of the ground without worrying about upsetting any drip 
tape or fittings or hose or anything like that. And that has worked. And that's one thing we need to talk about is one of our next steps will be to actually, we've got some material, some soil out there. It's not great for growing, but um, just to put around the beds so that we can get that and you'll have grass growing there that you can mow and it'll be level because what happens when you go in and start digging up and creating these level pads. Yeah. Then you've got all these funky little (laughs) shapes of earth and, uh, Madam, are you accusing me of leaving funky piles of earth? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. We, we do have, it's, it's bright rough out there around the beds so uh, you have charged we, me with the duty of uh, creating a more gradual slope from bed to bed. Um, it's not a problem for my mower. My mower can handle it, but we're thinking more along the lines of visitors Walking. and you in well, your little cart. I you have the cart, garden cart, along. yes. And so um, it's just this is the time to do it, really, before we let it get too settled out there yeah um we also hope to have some standard sizes of um attachments that we can put over the beds for solarization that's for one and also um maybe something with uh agrabon on it for uh insect barrier yeah uh, we're less certain about the insect barrier that may turn out that it's easier just to put the hoops in place and string the agrabon over it manually but the solarizers we're pretty sure we want to create those um, we have some plexiglass on order, which we're expecting to come into our local hardware store uh, probably in the next day or two. And we'll create uh, six four-by-four four panels so that uh, we can solarize one-and-a-half entire beds at a time. Yeah. Um, or, you know, a four-by-four four spot here and a four-by-four four spot there. But they're all four-by-four We just pick up the panel, we put it in place, and let it sit there. As you know from our prior discussion, the solarization works a lot better in the hot summertime than it does any other season. But during the hot summertime, you can get control of a bed pretty fast by solarizing it. So it'll be nice to have that. Well, that's about all the time we have today with you, but we certainly enjoyed being a part of your day, and we hope that you have a great week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.